Welcome to the Mind Body Business Podcast. Have you ever considered your superpower? If you had one gift to leave with humanity, what would that be? We believe that everyone possesses a superpower. This is your value proposition, your je ne sais quoi to help make a tangible difference in the world. Each week, our show explores these superpowers with tantalizing thought seeds germinating only from the power of collective thought. We invite you to join us for one hour each week and listen in as we dispense superpower knowledge from great people doing greater things. Well, 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 welcome back to the Mind Body Business Podcast. We are on a somber, rainy day here in the Hilton Head Island. We actually have internet connection, though, for the time being, so let's relish in that fact. Well. Welcome back to the United States of America. Welcome back. I hear that you were out of town. It was a bit almost out of town permanently, or at least that was the fear. Well, tell me where you were. Just, just FYI, so that our listeners kind of get a feel for this. Having a podcast is the best way to humble brag about things. <laughs> it's funny. So you're just going to make up a bunch of stories today? Yeah. Oh. Is that what well, you're... where were you? I, I, well, I, I, let's, I, let's talk about you. Funny story. I was in Costa Rica. I was in Costa Rica, too. Met this girl on a plane. Mm-hmm. Decided to just impromptu, just take a trip down to the Costa CR, as we call it down there. Yeah. Did a little surfing. Did a little taco eating. Did a little traveling. Went to some beaches where we almost did not make it back. And we were... We did a little freestyle traveling. Some we were nose Some of it was... <laughs> <laughs> some of it was freestyle which maybe we shouldn't have done maybe we should have like looked a few things up before we went to a beach that was not really what they promote for costa rica but, but everything I, else was good i did like that mountain town we we're in monteverde beautiful and the volcanoes that we're in that was a live active volcano I, for was. some reason i thought they had no live active volcanoes left but i thought turned- it was just painting <laughs> We had this entire resort in Monteverde to ourselves. There were like mm-hmm. three other people there. We had our own hot spring, hot tub, mm-hmm. sitting on the side of a hilltop. And five other people there. Did a lot of work while we were there, though, too. We did a lot of work. We had a client that um, had a big launch date. So we actually um, brought two other things with us our laptops. And <laughs> every, every evening we had a date with them. I don't think that's going to happen again, just FYI. No, it's I, not. I, I won't do that again because the whole point of getting away and sort of rebooting ended up rebooting my laptop mm-hmm. every morning. Mm-hmm. Not a complaint, but uh, hmm, rebrand for next time. But you know what I loved about this trip? Um, and I've been on a few trips with you, and you're a, a great trip companion. Uh, they drive on the same side of the road there as we do here in the U.S., yeah. which was really good because... <laughs> Did it hit any bridges? <laughs> you didn't hit didn't any bridges. Take, didn't but, take off any car doors. But just in case, when we were getting that rental car, we were like, give us all the insurance that you can possibly give us on this car. And automatic. Don't give me, yeah. don't give me the manual. I can drive a manual. We've Money is that. no object. We upgraded to automatic for this guy. <laughs> well, the problem is, is when we were in Ireland, you know, the roads are really tight. Um, opposite side of the road, mm-hmm. but the wheel in the car was also on the opposite side of the road, and so was the gear shift. And so it was called oh, the right hand drive. So I was forced to use my off hand drive on the off side, and the wheel was on the off side. So it was just always very confusing. And the roads were so tiny, but I do miss Ireland. I'd like to go mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. Ireland was fantastic. But Costa Rica was amazing. Absolutely amazing. I'm going to give it a six out of a 10. 
Okay, and that's only because you had to get a test to get back in the country, basically. <laughs> I'm going to give a 6 out of a 10 because they nose-raped me. Yeah. Number two, I was very concerned that I wasn't going to make it back into the country. There is there is that little thing, that kind of that cloud that follows you around the whole time that you're like, okay, three days before, three days before, and I can't get sick. I can't. It's nonsense, honestly. Just absolute but, nonsense. But we got back in the country. I wish you would just let me go off on it. No. I know you It's won't. not going to happen. But they let us back in the country, which is surprising. Just once, I just want to just let me go off. No, on you can do that. You go off on me all day, every day. Not you. So, um, let's talk about our trip a little bit more and who we met up with in there, because we're going to talk a little bit about our chance encounters with people Ooh, and how. That was fun. We went quad racing. That we did go cool. quad racing. I ran on the back, rode on the back of your quad. Mm-hmm. So, uh huh. That's, so a, that's I've, a, I've like never... a trust fall to the max. <sighs> Which led us into a whole bunch of other little adventures, but I that was probably one of my favorite in terms of vacation and doing like the tourist thing across the board of any vacation. That was one of my favorite things we did because it wasn't abbreviated. We were there for like two, three hours. They took us all uh-huh. over the, all over the countryside. Yep. We were in water. We were in mountainsides and open plains, and it was just really cool. And we really got to enjoy ourselves. So, and the weather was absolutely perfect. So I can't complain about anything about that part of the trip. So this, this, and I didn't come back with any stomach-borne viruses, <laughs> I know. like I did in the DR or Mexico. So score for yeah. Costa Rica. We didn't bring back anything that we didn't want to. Those cenotes you had me jumping in into uh, in Mexico. I'm pretty sure those were the culprit because I'm really. I think you're supposed to keep your mouth closed when you get into that water. I think you're right. But I was so excited that I jumped off that cliff. I was like screaming. In the water. <laughs> screaming <laughs> Actually, it was your sons. Your sons were there and they were like doing all those crazy uh, jumps. So I felt pressure to, to like look cool in front of your kids. Yeah. Well, they still don't think you're cool. No, so fine. I think you're cool. That's all that matters. So this travel log is brought to you by Spro Connectors. <laughs> no, there's a purpose to it because when we were actually. Um, four-wheel driving uh we had a bunch of people that were in our group and we met up with these people again in the airport and again like small world stories right how many times you meet up with people that you've seen in in places and then you connect with them again and it was it's like kind of bizarre it happens all the time actually it does. surprisingly I, i've been in the most random obscure places other countries other states it just all the time and somebody will like scream out my name or come up to me and be like dude yeah like I've had people from college. I've had people from high school in other countries and yeah. other states that have somehow ended up in the same location. I was I hiking in England and it's someone so was shouting out my name. I was like, what? I, would, I just started to, running. <laughs> does that happen to everybody, I wonder? Or is it because we sort of get around? <laughs> no, like, we've, I mean, we're pretty well traveled. We've done a lot of things in our life. Not, no, I'm I think not, you just need to be aware and you just to have these connections and you remember those people in your life too. Like you, hmm. I'm going to do a podcast with Dan tomorrow on do we call people into our lives or do those people call us into their lives? It's an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you also kind of deviating from that? Do you also, because I, I had a life in Canada before I moved to the States and you know, you, you've had lives in different parts of the country as well. Do you run into people that just remind you of someone you think there's someone that you knew in another country or something? Yeah, too? Like doppelgangers? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, these two guys that we um, ran into at the airport again, we had like a three hour layover mm-hmm. and we ended up 
traipsing around the airport and meeting up with them again in a restaurant. We sat down across it was in Miami. It wasn't even in Costa Rica, was it? it was yeah, we luckily they let us back into the country, even though I had been like set aside at the uh, security. I don't think you should tell that story. I'm not going to tell that story. Nobody wants to hear that. No, nobody wants to hear it. Sorry, <laughs> I just don't want to hear it. <laughs> fine, fine. DM me if you want to hear the story. Um, yeah, so we, we ended up sitting next to them and having a conversation with them. And invariably, what comes up in conversations when you're you're meeting with people and you're kind of on that trial basis of the conversation, you don't know how how uh, authentic you can be and what you can tell them and what stories you need to tell them. and. That's an interesting point, that trial conversation. I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, before you go, go deeper, I think it's um, really funny and curious to me how certain people you can just sort of engage in a deeper conversation level. For example, we were out at, um, at your wedding event the other night, mm-hmm. and the conversation that we were having at that dinner table afterwards was relatively candid. Mm-hmm. But the first time we met those people, mm-hmm. it was just sort of like… Very cautious, yeah. very surface level, very, I don't want to say polite, but… Mm-hmm. It was a different type of engagement, wasn't it, it? It is. It always it always fascinates me the level of comfort you can have with another person in conversation, and based upon that comfort level, how transparent and vulnerable you're willing to be in that conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't really professional know. and personal too. Like I know there's different different ways you you engage with people on a professional level, but even in a professional way, there's different levels as well as personal. Yeah, I, I agree. All right, anyway, so sorry back to you were talking about the two gentlemen from in Miami at the yeah. bar. Okay. So I think I think part of our mindset with was that hey, we'll never see them again. So you can just say whatever to them too. So you're pretty comfortable and casual with them. They were they were a couple of really nice guys. And conversation always comes around to, you know, what what do you do? Um and instead of having a pissing contest about it, I started to explain what you do. And I told them that you were a porn star and <laughs> Just went with it and told them a crazy story, right? And did it jokingly. And it was so obvious to me that it was a joke. Like, it was just like so ridiculous. Like, who would believe that? And conversation continued after that. And as it continued, it came to the point that we realized that they actually thought that that was your true profession, that you were a porn star. Well, the story went a little bit deeper than that because it wasn't just me they had asked how you and I met and I said oh. that you were a model initially. And I sort of kind of went into the, how I'd met you that you were a model and, and you did movies. And, and then they asked you about me. So I think they sort of yeah. heard you, they heard that you were a model being beautiful that you are and et cetera. And then they started getting curious. And then when you dropped mine, I think they just made the inference that you were the porn star and I was the producer. No, they thought you were the porn star. No, I thought they thought you no, were they the didn't. They definitely thought you were the porn star and they thought just because we're we're um, in media, photography, and all of that, oh, that's right. they okay. thought that we were, you know, we said we traveled a lot too, but they took those little snippets that we gave them in a joking matter, manner, and they thought, you know, it's everybody's perspective, isn't it? Mm-hmm. They took that to mean that we were filming you in porn movies all over the world. That you that's right, because they asked. <laughs> they were world famous. <laughs> because they asked about, the standards, do they vary from country to country yeah. in terms of what yeah. we're allowed to do and not allowed to do? That's right. And we started to kind of discern that they really believe what we're saying. But the, and these gentlemen were like professionals too. They weren't just like 
dumbass kids or something one like was that. a dentist and the other one was in some sort of investment portfolios or something like that. yeah yeah so brilliant guys that have been through a lot of education one of them sent me a dm did they really mm-hmm. i didn't know that that's cool the the, the shorter one uh-huh uh-huh I think he was but, more curious about getting into the porn industry himself. <laughs> he wanted to go traveling with you because yeah. he was like, because he's a single guy. He's like, I could have fun traveling with this guy. You know, <laughs> maybe he can trouble. hook me up with some porn stars. But anyways, um, the the actual dentist actually came around and was saying, you know, hey, I'd like to to you know be on some of the sets with you and stuff. And we're like, what are you talking about? So when we when we actually told him like this was a big lie like we were just joking and it seemed really obvious to us that we were joking he's like well i just assumed that you were like a well hung guy and that you <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and blah 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 and it went from Some that things are true, yeah. so <laughs> taking that we want to talk a little bit today about the stories we tell ourselves and the stories that we tell people so some things are not true some, or some things, things are not true, true. Oh. It's not what she said. Oh my god! <laughs> but honestly, we sometimes we tell ourselves stories and we don't magnify who we are, or we don't step into who we are, and that's a little bit about what we want to talk about today, right? Well, there's two sides of that coin because yeah. there are stories that people tell that are factually untrue, mm-hmm. and so there's probably a fine line between the stories. Would that, that we- be on like dating apps and stuff? <laughs> How many people do you meet that are just constantly dropping? statistics Uh about themselves Uh on a regular basis. But before we go to that, I wanted to go back to, you were talking about um, that that whole comfort level of how people feel more comfortable and less comfortable in what they share with each other. When people first meet, when you meet a stranger for the first time, why is it that that's always sort of the default question? So what do you do? Mm -hmm. Like what difference does Mm -hmm. it make what you do for a living? Why do people always ask that? I don't know. I always ask people, I, I guess I ask them the same thing. But I try to I try to mix up those questions. Anyway, um, so there are two there are two sides to that coin. There mm-hmm. are the people who embellish everything, and mm-hmm. we both know several of those people who do that. You know, you ask them a question, and they just everything they say is about themselves and what they're doing and how great they are and sort of all the amazing things they're accomplishing. But then the other side of that is the people who tell the stories, sort of from the standpoint of not to brag to other ones, but sort of the stories. I'm, I'm, am I going in the right direction mm-hmm. where you're going with mm-hmm. this? Sort of, you know, I was reading a, a book um, uh, around the law of attraction. And one of the central premises of that book was the stories that we tell ourselves and the, around centered around the concept of you should sort of fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know how much I buy into that because it sort of sounds dishonest and inauthentic. But the point is, is that the more you behave or the more you fake about something the more you behaviorally begin to believe that and the whole idea behind the law of attraction is is the more faith you have in your belief around something the more likely you are to manifest that mm-hmm. so i don't really know if i buy into all that i know and there's, there's something about being humble as well but there's also something the other side and i i would like to hear someone else's opinion on it but about minimizing what you do and to constantly minimize what you do it's not like we always need that affirmation from other people but to minimize what you do and if you're working on on something that that you want to within your lifetime the journey that you want to be on and getting there if you constantly diminish your your goals your hopes your dreams and you minimize the importance of who you are and 
where you want to go on this journey, I think there's an effect to that. Well, the redundancy of it sort of becomes your behavior. I think so. So how, what do you do about that? I think you need to step into it. And I think you need to get to a point where you're comfortable with saying who you are and what you're doing and be excited about that. And whether you're writing down affirmations or whatever, unless you start to make those real, you know, time is going to pass and nothing's going to happen. So give me an example of what you're saying so I can better understand this. Um, I think, and we were just talking about this yesterday and prioritizing things. There's so many things that we want to do. We have journals filled with with business ideas and goals and all those things that we want to do. But we have not stepped into prioritizing those things and we consistently let them get hijacked every day. And they get hijacked for very good reasons. They get hijacked because we have all these other things that we have to do that are really important. And whether it's another client that's depending on us or a family member or whatever, they're continuously hijacked. And we've prioritized them in a way that they become more important than this other big goal that we have. And this other big goal just sits on that back burner all the time. But if we stepped into you know what, I really see us doing, and I don't want us to talk about all the things that we want to do, but I really see us doing this project. If we really visualized us, ourselves in it, if we gave ourselves a goal to it, if we set a timeline to it, we would definitely do those over the other tasks that are just, they've become so easy for us to do. It's not like your day is super easy, but you can become efficient at doing them because you've done them for so long and it's it's more comfortable doing them. And we have a client right now too that is, um, we're on their team to help them. Our team is part of their team and we're supposed to be taking care of a certain amount of tasks, but they're staying comfortable in in this area rather than stepping into the opportunity to grow their business. Speaking of hijacking, so I, I, we had a uh, uh, an item, an initiative due that we launched today at 3 p.m. So, you know, you're sitting here talking, I'm thinking, shit, we're talking about us in a podcast, but we have a client that has a deliverable that has to go mm-hmm. live today at 3 mm-hmm. p.m. So I go quickly check my phone to see if it does. You're right. And I, I, I struggle with, I struggle with a couple of things here around this essential topic. So I recognize that we are a startup. Mm-hmm. We have a new business and a new brand that we're launching. And with that comes sort of being tied to the chain to some extent, if you will, because we haven't built up the resources. We haven't built up the automation. We haven't built up the team. We haven't built up the client base. There are a lot of sort of intangibles of running a business that we're kind of in the mix of right now trying to build this company into something profitable and successful. And so I struggle with all of these other milestones of projects that we want to accomplish personally mm-hmm. and devoting the time and energy into the new brand that we're trying to launch. And how do you, how do you filter that out? It's almost like I feel, <clears throat> I feel obligated to put the time and energy into this because someone is paying us money to do something. So it's up to us to fulfill for them in order to grow. It's like, we can't just be like, Oh, we we're suddenly CEOs of a successful company. We can go focus on all these other things we still have to build this brand. We still have to do the necessary work. And so I struggle with this conversation. I struggle with, I really want to work on all these other projects of my own, 
and we have all sorts of different things, you know, workshops and education and retreats and new websites and all these different things that we're trying to build that have taken the back seat because simultaneously to all these other ideas, we also launched a business. So how do you tow that fine line between personal obligations and responsibility that you have to a client who's paying you money to do something and selfishly working on your own things to make your own money to service your own needs? And I struggle See, with that. that. That's the word there, though. You're saying selfishly working on it. Why, why is it selfish? It's not selfish in the connotation of negative. It's mm-hmm. selfish in the connotation of the word selfish means that you're doing something for yourself. Doesn't I know, I know, but still, it it seems derogatory. You're like selfishly, like you're not giving yourself the permission to do it. I think that's the whole conversation. We need to give ourselves the permission to do it because you saw me working on my laptop, just quickly trying to bang something out that I could do kind of thoughtlessly, get that done. And oh, there's a few other quick things that I could bang out because I could get those done. And then I feel like I'm being productive and stepping into the unknown. You don't always feel productive, do you? You don't have that confidence. You're not stepping into it. You're not stepping into that new story of who you could be and who you can easily become if you kind of get uncomfortable with it and step into it and allow yourself to give yourself that permission. Yeah, but that's a whole different, that's a different conversation where, where I was asking was more of a question. How, how do you manage that fine line between your social and personal responsibility you have to a client when you're in the customer we're in a cu- customer centric capacity. We're doing something for someone else. We're giving them consulting and we're giving them our power and mm-hmm. our energy and our resources, but they're also paying us to do that because that's the choice that we made. Or how do you manage all of that and then simultaneously work on your own agenda of things that you want to do? And I said selfish, I didn't mean that derogatorily, but how do we selfishly still focus on our projects while simultaneously fulfilling the obligations that we've promised to someone else who's paying us money? And that's where I sort of have, I get caught in that no man's land in between. Okay. Here's, here's my opinion on it and it may not be right, but I think you need to be able to delineate when you are fulfilling what your agreement is and when you're spending extra time on it, going above and beyond, which there's no problem with going above and beyond, but when you're going above and beyond exceeding expectations, but exceeding expectations in a way that they're not paying for, you've already filled those buckets and you're putting all your time and energy into that instead of stepping off and saying, okay, that task is actually done. Here's some ideas that we can bring up at another time. If they want to discuss that further, that comes up next month. doesn't have to be done today. You don't need to do it now. They're not paying for that. And you make that delineation. Or you some of those smaller jobs you say no to or offshoot those tasks to other people. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I think that's my problem is that I I always put a little bit extra into mm-hmm. what I do. It's sort of hard. And I'm, that's a funny funny question that we should that probably require some additional analysis do you do all of those extra things for the client because you're seeking validation from them like oh thank you for doing all that extra work or do you do it unselfishly to borrow that word again because that's just sort of in your dna to do that and and i i also sort of have i probably waffle in between both like i've always been a believer of under promise over deliver Mm -hmm. that's sort of Mm -hmm. been that's in my dna but there is such a thing as over-delivering, isn't there? I think that's what I hear you There saying. is. There is. And we we both do that in, in all facets of all our businesses. We, we do that. And that can be a detriment as well. Because 
sometimes you've increased the expectations. And yeah. then if you don't do that again, yeah. they feel like, wait, you did this last time, but you're like, well, that was like an extra added bonus. Like yeah. you weren't paying for that. And as much as I enjoy you, this is, this is a business relationship. All right, let me get you back. Let me get myself back on track because I deviated from I think where you were trying to go with this. So the whole idea, the storyline here of this particular podcast was the stories that we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. And there's two juxtapositions there. There's the stories we tell ourselves that are delusional and not true, but simultaneously a small portion of that can actually be beneficial to us if we sort of start to believe that we can achieve something just by sort of telling stories that mm -hmm. aren't necessarily true. Mm -hmm. Just like saying that you were a porn star and people believe that. So what's wrong with telling someone something, maybe not outlandish like that. And I'm not saying to lie or to, you know, be constantly beating your chest and become so salaciously engrossed in who you are, but, People will, you know, you don't have to downsize who you are and what you want to do and some of your big dreams. And you, sometimes you need to step into that. Well, the fallacy with that story is they got really excited about it. And the next thing they would want to have seen some of the movies that we were in sounded like. So I we would have had know. to make a movie right then and there. Yeah. <laughs> Be right back, guys. <laughs> or come up with some fake stage name. I know. But we do need to step into our power, don't we? And I think we had talked as well about we're in this with, with social media and everything. And we do social media for clients. So we, we totally get it, but we outsource our inspiration, our integrity, our value to other people. Don't we, we get validated by our social media or we don't feel as validated because we look on social media and we see what everyone else is doing and we're trying to outsource who we are or do we measure up to that? Hmm. So comparisonitis? Yeah, and we've talked about that before. But some of that that trickles into the stories we tell ourselves or we tell other people. We don't want to say, hey, we do X, Y, and Z, and we're pretty good at it because we're seeing everyone else on social media that are already doing that, and they have 3 million followers. Well, let's see where you're going with this, so I'm just going to pick it up and run with it. I think one of the things that, that I encounter most, especially since we're doing social media branding and the strategic creation for someone else other than ourselves is that a lot of these clients, A, they don't really understand social media very well, which is why they're talking to us mm -hmm. in the first place. Mm -hmm. But because they're business owners and typically they're small business owners or solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, they're really focused on the agronomy of, of what they're doing, which is they're looking for metrics, measurable metrics. We've talked about this before, but the ROI, the KPIs, all these things that show what what am I going to get back? If I'm going to spend X, mm -hmm. what does Y look back look like in return? And one of the things that we encounter the most is a lot of times they're using <clears throat> something they saw from someone else's feed or some level of success that they saw from somebody else. And they're like, I sort of want that. And I want to be that successful. And I want to have mm -hmm. that over. And the problem with that is that A, it's not real. Mm -hmm. It's just like, how many times do you see social media advertisements on your Instagram feed about somebody promising you the next download that's going to make you a millionaire? And honestly, that doesn't exist. Like there is no such thing. There's no such thing as, an, as a download that's going to make you a millionaire overnight. Mm -hmm. There's maybe you win the lottery and that the chances of that are like one in a hundred million, right? So what I tell everybody specifically, and you say the same thing, is 
it's not a one-to-one relationship. Stop focusing a on other people's metrics. Stop focusing on other people's feeds. They are who they are. They have their own context, their own history, their own persona. They're doing their own thing. What can you bring to the table? That's all about you. Mm-hmm. How can you tell your story that is in that is endearing to an audience, that is resonant with an audience, and that has some sort of strategic purpose to under so that we can better understand why we would want to follow you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that all that all starts with stepping into your own story. I yeah. think that's where you're going with this. Yeah, and we talked about that. You know, sometimes when we're bought, brought on board, we start with the branding mm-hmm. and we start with figuring out what their story is because sometimes they don't even know what their story is. So us, you know, starting out this conversation saying, you know, we've made up a story and, you know, the stories we tell people, they aren't even sure what their story is. Well, they, they might be sure what some parts of their stories mm-hmm. are, as am I. But the problem is, is you, you, there's a there's generally a lot of layers to everyone. Mm-hmm. You generally have a lot of different layers. Like just look at you. You're good at uh, interior design. You're good at landscaping. You're obviously fantastic at photography. You're good at connecting with people. You're good at podcasting. There's a bazillion different things that you're really good at. But if you were to pick a new business model today and I were to say to you, go take all those things that you do and start selling those. How would you sell those? Because there's so many different things. People are going to be very confused about who you are, what you are, what exactly you're selling. If you're trying to sell interior design, landscape design, photography, videography, podcast setup, all these different things, and it just becomes overwhelming. So how can you take your story and reorganize it so that there's some sort of, I love the word purpose. So there's some sort of a purpose to it, but what impact, and we had a conversation mm-hmm. with somebody yesterday about impact and purpose. How can you tell your story with the most per- strategic purpose that will have the biggest impact? Mm-hmm. And the best way to do that is to better understand your own story and what value proposition, what value do you bring to the table, right? And who's to say that your story isn't and as mine good is as pornography. Some, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're a porn a star. star. Like, that's Just my value. That's my Just, It seemed obvious. I got so. a cape on, got a cool mic on. <laughs> we got Hugh Hefner sitting right beside us. Where's, cool, your, where's your cravat? <laughs> I need a cool porn name if that's what I'm going to do. But I was going to say, who's to say that your story isn't as interesting as someone else's story? And we have clients too that are are putting their their confidence into social media, and they're comparing themselves to other people. And sure, this person may have more views; they may have more people on their Instagram or whatever their social media feed is. But they're parading around in a bikini all the time, and is that part of your story? Well, that not, and again, that's a great point. That might be part of their story, and that might sell to their audience. But that doesn't mean that it necessarily translates over to your people, right? Right. Like right. if I were to put on a thong, I don't <laughs> think that would really go over very well with my audience. But if it was on your porn social media site, but that would be a completely different avatar that would be yeah. following that, wouldn't it? It would be. So the idea is to understand your story, what makes you who you are, mm-hmm. what's your unique value proposition, what is it that you do really, really well that you can talk about really, really well and share with other people, so they can sort of have a snapshot inside your life or your business or whatever it is that you're selling. Mm-hmm. So so what's the story you're going to tell people besides you're a porn star? That's it. That's my only story. I'm a porn star. I just need a cool name now. Okay. I have a lot of stories. I think right now my story is helping other people. That's been, I know that's sort of been the crux of my journey the last 18 months or, or, or whatnot. And, and my business has morphed into something different and our business has evolved into something different because We've started to realize what we're really good at, what we really enjoy doing. But unfortunately, all the other personal things that I wanted to accomplish have been sort of 
making more movies. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got in a contract with OG. Devo does Dallas. <laughs> Wait, we have a Dallas. <laughs> Dallas is going to Sorry, Dallas didn't mean it that way. All right, so some takeaways. What do you got? Prioritize and start stepping into your own story. Enjoy the story of who you are and where you want to be and start stepping into that. But I would I would argue that don't be delusional about your story. Understand. I'm not going to be a porn star, so I won't go that route. Yeah, don't be delusional about your story. I think there's a fine line between wanting to be something or become something or have something and believing that you can achieve it, but you still have to find what you're really good at now and understand what that is so that you can set goals and targets to sort of become what it is that you mm-hmm. want to become eventually. And that mm-hmm. may change over time. Um, and don't get Do you com- think our goals are delusional though? I don't personally think we have delusional goals. No, I don't think so either. But I, I would suggest if you're setting goals, one of the things that I think I've learned about goal setting is to, it's okay to have pie in the sky goals, mm-hmm. but in order to get to those pie in, high, pie in the sky goals, you have to sort of start on the lower rung of a ladder almost, metaphorically speaking, and, and you set smaller, more achievable goals. So that as you achieve those smaller, more achievable goals, the one that was pie high in the sky doesn't seem so far away. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So you're slowly moving that ladder, but you still know that, you know, I want to make, I want to retire. I want to have a yacht, whatever it is that you mm-hmm. want to do, right? I want to be president of some country in Zimbabwe, whatever it is. There are things in between that have to happen first. Yes. And you're being very practical. My point just being that, Sometimes you're the only person that doesn't believe you can do that. I agree with that. So that's that. That's where I was going in the beginning. What's that fine line between security and insecurity? And how how can you overcome that if you have insecurity about yourself? Mm-hmm. And it all goes back to understand your story, your value, and step into that. Don't compare yourself to others. Mm-hmm. Because your journey is completely unique. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just pretend all things being equal. Just hear me out for a second. All things being equal, we both want to be bikini models since you dropped that reference earlier. And we both want to become yoga stars or whatever it is you want to become, right? My ability to do that is going to be markedly different than your ability to do that because the context of who I am and what I bring to the table is markedly different than yours. And so my journey is going to be markedly different than yours. That doesn't mean I can't do it, but I would just have a different approach to it. Mm -hmm. I think that's what I'm saying makes sense. Mm -hmm. I'm still saying the same thing. I'm still saying the stories we tell ourselves are sometimes our downfall. That don't, we don't, don't other people will believe it, but sometimes we're the only people. This is something that seems outlandish to us that we don't deserve it or we're not good enough or whatever, even though we might dream to do it. Other people, if you told them you did that, they would believe that you did that. We base a lot of our insecurities on on outside sources, on getting affirmation in other places, and we need to start affirming ourselves and step into the the opportunities that we have. Agreed. That they're there, they're around us. We're just finding excuses not to do those things, doing other important things, and letting other people hijack our time. Agreed. Or over analysis paralysis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Okay, I like that. I can agree to that. So, going forward, if you want to hear any more of us rambling on. <laughs> <laughs> Join us here, or you can find Devo at. I'm just going to say the uh, Mind Body Business Podcast and Sprout Connectors, and um, that's pretty much it. If you like this show, mm-hmm. please comment below and leave us a note. Leave us a review. I like that. And if you want some more information, you can find us on the gram at mm-hmm. Sprout Connectors. 
You can find Devo at Fusion Photog and me at Lisa Staff Photo. Oh, she so did that for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have this little handy little ticker that I dropped I like on the screen that. right now. It's like magic. Okay, great. Good show. Nice talking. I'm glad we made it back to the States. Me too. It was sketchy there for a while. What would you have done if you had to stay in Costa Rica? I wouldn't have stayed in San Juan. That's good because it was San Jose. Oh, I wouldn't have stayed in San Jose. <laughs> I would have gone back to Monteverde. I would have gone Opened the- up coffee shop. I would have worked with that woman um, who WhatsApped me back. Um, the one who sold us the uh, on the side of the road, we had the um, empanadas. Mm. Remember her? Yeah. She has a treehouse villa that she wants us to come and stay in. Let's do it. Not going to happen. See ya. See ya.